All right. Got your Bibles open up to the book of Hebrews. Last chapter. You know, turn to the trial on the last page of Hebrews in your Bible. Whatever page number that is. It's page 1010 in my Bible. I don't know what page number it is in your Bible. But uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 17 today. Alright, just be honest with me. Right, just be honest. I know some of you don't care, and that's fine if you don't care. Sometimes I don't care about it. But let's just let me just poll up poll poll you today and see see how many how many of you watch uh, any football this weekend? Any at all. I just was wondering. I know some people don't care. That's fine if you don't. Okay. Alright, alright, cool. This is kind of one of those weekends where um, where it's known at least in our country for turkey and football and uh, it's just kind of how it is and uh, a lot of folks a lot of folks watching different games and and that kind of thing and one of the things that um is i always enjoy when i when i do watch football or any any sport um is I, that's a team sport i love watching the team work together sometimes team doesn't work together and you know what happens as a result of that uh things don't turn out too good but i love watching the team work together i love how this particular player knows exactly what he or she's supposed to do, and this particular player knows what he or she's supposed to do. And, and when they do their job, and, and they focus on doing their job well, the team works together. But when that player is more concerned about his teammate not doing his job or doing his job, or maybe he wants his job uh, and he wants his role, then things get all out of, out of sorts. And, uh, and, but, but when, when the players are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they say, this is my job, my job is to do this, my job is to do this in the game, then it's, just, it's, it's a thing of beauty in a sense, right? I mean, they just work together. Um, and and I, as I think about those individuals that are out there, sometimes we just see them and they all have the same uniform on, the same jersey, and, uh, and, and they look like this, all the same people. But underneath those helmets or those jerseys, they're all kind of sorts of different people. And they have different likes and different interests, and, they're, um, and, and they have different personalities. And, and some of them get along well with each other. Some of them don't really get along well with each other. We don't see all of that during the game, but all those things are there. And yet... They know what their role is. Now, the same is true in, in a church. There are different roles in the church. Uh, there are different responsibilities in a church. And, uh, and God spells out some of those things for us, things that we need to know in his word. Now, if you'll imagine for a moment, if you'll let me speak about football for just a minute, since that is what is um, the sport that's probably most popular at this point in the year, um, and it's football season, if if just imagine for a minute if the wide receivers uh, decided, you know what, I don't really care if the quarterback, what play the quarterback calls. Um, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care what play he calls in the huddle. I'm going to run whatever route I want to run. What's going to happen? Disaster, right? And if they continue to do that, quarterback gets disheartened. He doesn't really want to be out there because he doesn't know where to throw the ball to and his teammates are aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and then the whole team gets disheartened. And then, and then pretty soon they're losing and uh, they might as well just get off the field and go home. I think the same is true sometimes in a church when we sometimes are tempted to not play the role that we are called to play, then it can lead to a disheartening among the church, among the members. And as we're thinking about 
um, uh, what a healthy church member is or looks like or does, uh, one of the things that, one of the marks of a healthy church member is that that member is a humble follower, a humble follower. And we'll see that in this verse that we're going to look at today. A healthy church member humbly follows church leadership. Now, we're in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, and we're just going to look at one verse this morning, verse 17. We're in a section in Hebrews where he is talking about the Christian life. Uh, He's talking about how we live as Christians, people who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, people who are seeking to follow him with their lives, be disciples of Christ. What are some things that we should be doing in our lives? Now, we looked at a few weeks ago another passage in Hebrews that told us not to neglect gathering together. This is important for Christians, individual Christians, to be gathered together in local congregations. But God doesn't just tell us to gather together. He also tells us what those gatherings are to look like, what the structure of his church is to look like. And we see a little bit of that here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Here's the word of God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It's just one verse. Let's read it one more time. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, we see in this one verse, very quickly, we can just observe that there are some different roles that are played by different people in the church. There are some who are leaders and there are some who are held accountable to God for keeping watch over the souls of others, which means and implies that there are others who are under that leadership and whose souls are being kept watch over by those who are in leadership. We can just quickly observe that from this passage of Scripture. I want to share with you three things this morning about being a humble follower when it comes to membership in the church. Three things about being a humble follower. The first is this. Humbly following your leaders brings glory to God. Humbly following your leaders brings glory to God. Now, you're not going to see the word glory in this passage. You're not even going to see God or his name here in this verse of Scripture. But notice the command. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, when we think about following, and we'll talk about this, and we'll we'll use this word throughout as we look at this verse, we have to to use the word humble. And we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end, why we want to use that word humble. Anytime we act in humility, any of us in any area of our life, that brings honor and glory to God. We are commanded to to be humble. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he said, Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And what was that mindset? What was that attitude that he described there? Humility. And he gave Jesus as an example of humility. He humbled himself in leaving the Father, coming to the earth, and then becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that example that he set there, Paul then uses to call the church in Philippians to live humble lives, to be acting humility towards one another. So, any, in any area of our life, whenever we act in humility, that brings honor and glory to God. 
humility specifically before God or his plans, humility before his plans and his commands, always brings honor and glory to God. Let me give you three, three quick reasons why we see here um, that humbly following your leaders brings glory to God. You're humbling yourself under God's design for the church whenever you are a humble follower, whenever you humbly follow the leadership that God has for the church. You're humbling yourself under God's design for the church. If we're honest with ourselves, we like to do things our way. And, and, and we see that crop up, that desire to do things our way crop up in all sorts of areas of our lives. And if we're not careful, it can crop up when we consider how the church is structured. And, and so God has laid out a design for his church, a structure for his church. But sometimes it's in our own selfishness and pride. And we, we think that we know better than God and, and we don't want to do things God's way. But whenever, whenever we humble ourselves under the leadership of the church, we actually are humbling ourselves under God's design for the church, which then in turn brings him glory. So what is God's design for the structure of a church? Well, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. But if I could just summarize it briefly, God has designed his church and the local churches in such a way that there would be, uh, there would be men who are given uh, leadership or oversight is the word that Scripture, excuse me, scripture uses um, several times um, in, in the church. And that main responsibility of those leaders, and we'll talk about some of the words that Scripture uses, is the role of preaching and teaching. Which makes sense, as we'll see in just a moment, because the job, the responsibility, is to care for the souls of the people. And the primary way that souls are cared for is through preaching and teaching. Now, several different uh, several different passages in Scripture that we could go to, and I just want to highlight a few of those this morning as we think about God's design for the structure in a church. Often throughout the New Testament, we see guys like uh, the Apostle Paul um, appointing elders, or maybe in the book of Titus, telling Titus to appoint elders in, uh, in, on the island of Crete there in the church. We have these instructions. Make sure that you appoint elders in the church. Make sure you appoint elders in the church. Make sure you appoint elders in the church. It's clear from God's word that that is his design for the structure of a church, that there would be those in that leadership position. Uh, we, we, find the, we find the word pastor a few different places. Uh, one place we find that is in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And we see God's design for church structure there in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, another word for shepherd is pastor, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so we see that there are to be these pastors, these people filling this role of pastor. We see that in the book of 1 Timothy. Paul's writing the letter to Timothy, and he gives qualifications there, and there the term he uses is overseers. He uses the term overseers. He says if, anybody, if anyone desires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task, and he gives in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 a list of qualifications. We could go uh, to a couple of chapters over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we see another word used. He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So we have these three words. We have elders, overseers, and, and, um, and uh, pastors or, or shepherds, and they're used interchangeably. And the reason I, I say all that is just to say that God actually gives us in his word a structure for the church. It's not just, hey, let's gather together and then we'll 
don't have any instructions. I guess we just have to start from scratch and figure it all out on our own. He's actually pretty clear in his word that there are to be those in the office of overseer, elder, or, or, or pastor, whichever word you want to pick of those three words, and, and those are the leaders of that church. They're equippers. They're preachers. They're teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So when you are a humble follower, you're bringing honor and glory to God because you're humbling yourself under God's design for the church, but you're also humbling yourself under God's leaders for the church. In in an interesting kind of way, you're bringing glory to God by humbling yourself under the leadership of the church because God is the one who is responsible for those leaders there in the church. 1 Peter chapter 5 and uh, we could spend much time on this passage, but we're not going to. Uh, God gives instructions here to the elders, to the shepherds of the church. And I want you to notice these words. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd, so we get the word pastor from, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. There's the word overseer. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering those over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And then notice this, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So we have a chief shepherd in the church. His name is Jesus. He is our shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He has come once to give his life as an offering for sin, And he will come again, ushering in his final kingdom. He is the shepherd of the church. But we see clearly here, even in 1 Peter chapter 5, that he has then put what we could call, I guess, under shepherds, under the leadership of Jesus, but in leadership in the church. And so when we humble ourselves under leadership in the church, we're bringing honor and glory to God because these are God's leaders for the church. We're humbling ourselves under God's design for the church, under God's leaders for the church. And then we could just say very simply, when God gives a command and we do it, it brings glory and honor to God. It doesn't matter what the command is, right? If he says do something or don't do something and you obey it, it brings glory and honor to God. This is in the form of a command, not a suggestion. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the command is, Submit and obey. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For, though, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. It's a command. Anytime we obey a command, it brings glory and honor to God. So just simply, I wanted to say as our, as our first point here, that humbly following your leaders in the church brings glory to God something we don't want to we don't want to just run right past it's a way that you can bring glory and honor to god submitting yourself under his design under his leaders and under his commands god is glorified when church members humbly follow their leaders but secondly humbly following your leaders brings joy to your leaders notice notice that this passage says, let them do this with joy. What is the this that they are to be doing? Keeping watch over your souls. What's the role of that elder, overseer, pastor in the church? To keep watch over your souls. Sounds like a pretty important task to me. Does it to you? Keep watch over someone's souls? 
What, what does it look like to keep watch over someone's soul? Well, I think about it in two, in two uh, categories. One is to nourish, to nourish the soul. This picture that we have of keeping watch, and then you put that, uh, put that in, uh, in conjunction with the idea and picture of a shepherd, a shepherd keeping watch. One of the things that they do is they look for where the food is. Where's the good food? When is the food running out? So we need to move to this other place. We need to move the sheep to this other place so they can have green fat pastures to feed on. One of the roles of the shepherd is to, to provide nourishment. Now, where do we get nourishment from as Christians? It's from the Word of God, which is why one of the primary roles of leadership in the church and the elders, the pastors, the overseers, is to teach and preach the Word of God because that is leading the sheep to green pastures. To nourish. But not only does the shepherd watch over in the sense of nourishing and making sure they have food, but the shepherd also nourishes in the sense of keeping out the, the predators, right? That's one of the roles of a shepherd is to keep the predators away. And so they're going to be constantly on the lookout for the wolves and the bears, the lions who are going to come in. And we know very clearly in Scripture warnings of, over and over and over again to watch out and beware of false teaching. First uh, John tells us that there are many antichrists in the world, many people who oppose Jesus and would teach us to oppose Christ through their false teaching, through their false doctrine. So one of the roles of the, the pastor is to not only feed, but also to protect, to nourish and protect. Now, When the sheep feast upon the grass, the good grass that the shepherd leads them to, and when the sheep listen when the shepherd says, come here, there's danger over there, that brings joy to the shepherd's heart. And this passage says, let them do this. What is is this that they're doing? Obeying and submitting that's what the members are doing. What are the leaders doing? Keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. When the sheep don't listen to the word of warning from the shepherd, when the sheep refuse to feast on the beautiful green grass that the shepherd leads them to, then it leads to it becomes a burden to the leader, to the shepherd in leading the sheep. But when the sheep are following that leadership, that careful, desiring to to nourish and protect leadership, then it fills the shepherd's heart with joy. And so Scripture says that humbly following your leaders brings joy to your leaders. Think about it in a very general sense. Not just when we're thinking about members and leaders and that kind of thing in the church, but when is it ever a good thing to be a intentionally, because of your choices, be a burden to someone else and drag them down in whatever it is that God's called them to do. That's, that's never a good thing, is it? It always brings glory and honor to God when our actions, when our actions bring joy into the hearts of others instead of burdening them down, weighing them down with our wrong choices. So that's just a general principle in really all of life as, as, as Christians. But specifically here in this passage, one of the ways that we can bring joy to someone is when we submit to and obey leadership that God has given in the church. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Let me ask you another question. What happens then when the leaders lead with joy, when they get to lead with joy? Do you think they lead better or worse? Better, right? They're gonna, they're, that's just, that's just going to happen. They're going to lead better when they get to lead out of joy than when they're leading out of grief. That grief is, is, is a, it's a word of heaviness or of a, of a burden. And they're they're going to lead better. And so it's good for those leaders. But not only is that good for those leaders, notice how he ends this verse. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. For that would be of no advantage to you. So not only does humbly following your leaders bring glory to God, not only does it bring joy to your leaders, but it is also good for you. It is also good for you. Let me read that again. For that would be of no advantage to you. What would be of no advantage to you? To bring grief to the hearts of your leaders. That would be of no advantage to you. So let's turn that around. He states it negatively. Let's state it positively. It would be of advantage to you to... Follow, or as this passage says, obey and submit. It would be an advantage to you to do that in such a way that it fills your leader's heart with joy. It's an advantage to you if you obey and submit. I would say individually it is and collectively as the church it is an advantage. Well, why would that be? Well, we just said that when you... Humbly follow, and that brings joy to your leader. That means the leader is probably going to lead even better and enjoy it and lead even better and lead even better. And, and if the leaders are leading well and the followers are following well, then you've got this healthy relationship going on. And instead of working against one another, it's all moving in the same direction, working towards the same goal, working in the way that God designed us to work towards that same goal. And you know what happens? The church is able to do what the church is supposed to do. Preach the gospel to people. Disciple people. And get the gospel out to the nations. And that's an advantage to you. Hopefully when you gather with your church, you have a desire to grow in your walk with the Lord. That's one of the main tasks that God has given the church is to make disciples. We talked about that last week, that we're to be growing disciples. We're to be growing in our walk with the Lord. And, and, and the church is one of the primary vehicles through which we are able to grow in our walk with the Lord. But if there's not healthy leadership and healthy following of that leadership, then that church is not going to be a place where you're able to grow well. And so you come and you're involved, but there's not going to be that growth that takes place. There's not going to be that equipping that takes place that Paul talked about in Ephesians. See, when you don't follow like that sheep, you then miss out on the good grass and you put yourself in a dangerous situation to be attacked by the false teachers and to be led astray. And I think that's why the writer of Hebrews says it will be of no advantage to you if you don't follow the God-given leadership in your church. It will be of no advantage to you. And, that, and in fact, it would be harmful for you. 
humbly following your leaders is good for you. Now, that's verse 17. And we have other verses that we've read that go along with that, but it's very clear what the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey here in verse 17. But I want to ask, I want to, I want to ask a question because I think it's important for us to ask this. When is it not a good idea to humbly follow? Or maybe I could say it this way. What does humbling, humbly following not mean? Because I, I, I want to I be careful that we don't just say, well, I guess I just put blinders on my eyes and um, whatever, whoever, whatever the leaders in the church say, we just go along. And no matter what they say or what they do, we just go along whatever, with whatever they say. That actually leads churches in a pretty bad direction. Let me give you, I'm just going to say these pretty quickly. I'm not going to make much comment on them. Um, five, five things that this does not mean so that we're not confused, okay? Number one, it doesn't mean that you follow a leader into false teaching. That's pretty clear, right? You don't follow a leader into false teaching. You have a responsibility to hold the preachers and teachers accountable to teach the right thing, to teach sound doctrine. You don't follow them into false teaching. The Apostle Paul is very clear with the Galatians. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven shows up and preaches something contrary to this gospel that you received, let him be accursed. You don't follow leaders into false teaching. It also doesn't mean that you follow a leader into sin. You don't follow a leader into sin. That's not what verse 17 is calling us to do. It doesn't mean that you allow a leader to continue in sin. In fact, if we were to go back to that passage in in 1 Timothy, uh, we would find um, uh, another part of the role of members of the church in holding leaders accountable. He says this, after he talks about the elders who rule well, laboring and preaching and teaching, he says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, now he's talking about leadership in the church, those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So the sheep actually have a responsibility to hold the leadership accountable for their actions. And so you wouldn't follow a leader into sin and you also wouldn't allow a leader to continue in sin. Two more things that this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you withhold all suggestions or counsel from your leaders. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. If you happen to be walking, walk, walking around one day and, and as the sheep and you see this pasture over here that looks beautiful, you don't say, well, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't tell my shepherd that. No, maybe, maybe he's just happened to overlook it. And it would be a good thing for you to say, hey, there's this, there's this pasture over here that we haven't checked out yet. Or maybe you're walking around and you say, that looks kind of dangerous over there. I, I want to make sure that my shepherd, that God has placed in charge of me, un- knows that this danger may be entering our flock. Maybe he doesn't know about it. So I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to share that with him. It doesn't mean that you withhold suggestion or counsel from leaders. And number five, it does not mean that you sit idly while the leaders do all the working and leading. Ephesians chapter 4 is very clear. The role of those pastors and teachers is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There's work to do. It doesn't just all get passed on to the leadership. There's work for everyone to do in the kingdom of God. So those are some things that humble following does not mean. 
here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Anytime God calls us to do something, there's always going to be a temptation not to do it. It's true in my life. I'm sure it's true in your life, but I know it's true in my life. Anytime God gives a command to do something, there's, there's, something, there's something in me, that old sinful nature, that wants to not do what God's called me to do. And if I, could, if, I could, if I could narrow down any resistance that we would have to humbly following in this setting that we're talking about, it would be boiled down to the word pride, which is why we use the word humble to describe the following. If there's anything that's going to get in the way of you being obedient to this command in this passage of Scripture, it would be pride in your heart. A few ways that pride would creep in and keep you from doing what God's called you to do here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Pride would cause you to question God's design for the church. Say, well, I don't, I don't really like how God designed the church. I'm not qualified to be a, to be a, a pastor in the church. God hasn't called me to be a pastor in the church, but I think I should be in charge. Right? And so, and so we, would, we would buck at God's design for the church and not humble ourselves under His design. That's a way that pride could creep in. Pride could creep in and say, well, I can do it better than the leaders. I could do it better. I could do it better. And that would be our default. The default to I can do it better. That's pride. And that's not going to lead to humbly following. And third, pride would creep in if we refuse to forgive a leader, whether a current leader or a past leader. You see, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the only one who is perfect. And those that God has called to be leaders in a church are in the same boat that everyone else is in. They're in this process of sanctification. They're in between God starting a good work in them and God finishing a good work in them. I'm in that boat. God is working on me. And there's sin that God reveals in my heart and life. And I don't always do things the way that I'm supposed to do them. But if we're not careful, a wrongdoing by a current or even past leader in our lives could then, and we don't forgive, and there's not reconciliation, could then lead to bitterness where we just find ourselves in this rut of rejecting any and all leadership. And that's not healthy either. You know what? Bitterness is just a result of pride. Us not being willing to forgive. It's pride that keeps us from doing that. What are the obstacles to being a humble follower? I think we can narrow all of them down to pride in our hearts. Now, this is, this is a hard message to, to preach in a way. And a couple of reasons for that. One... It's, it's a detail. It's a detail that is not very exciting to talk about. It's hard to get fired up about this. We're going to talk about missions. We're going to talk about sharing the gospel with people. Last week we talked about growing as disciples. I get fired up talking about that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, I don't read that verse and go, man, I can't wait to preach, preach a message on this verse. Man, this just gets me going, you know. It's not one of those, one of those verses. But it's one of those details 
that if we don't get right, then all the other things that we do get excited about that God's called us to do as a church, we're not able to do those things. When you walk into a kitchen, the first thing that you notice is the screws that are holding the hinges on the cabinet doors, right? No. Nobody, you don't notice that. Nobody notices that. At most, you might notice the handles, the, the, the hardware there that you see, but that's probably not even the first thing that you notice. You notice what? The, the, the refrigerators and, 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 and then the food that's out there on the table, and, 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 and you don't notice the screws that are holding the hinges on the door, right? Cabinet door. But what if those screws weren't holding the hinges on the cabinet doors? kind of be difficult to do the things that you're supposed to do in the kitchen. If every time you open the door of the cabinet, it fell off. Right? Then you spend all your time trying to clean up this mess over here, and you never get the turkey done or whatever you're cooking. Walked into the kitchen this morning, I opened the cabinet door, and pop! What in the world? Did it a couple times. What's going on with this cabinet? One little screw started backing its way out of that hinge, and now the whole hinge is popping and making noise. And it was a distraction from what I was supposed to be doing, getting, getting, getting some breakfast ready. It's one of those details that we don't really pay much attention to, but if it's not there, the door's not going to swing right. If there's not healthy understanding of verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 13, and a healthy practice of it, then when God calls us to be a light in our city, in our town, we're not going to be that. Because what, what's the watching world going to see? They're going to see a bunch of people who don't seem to have their act together, and the wide receivers are running their own routes, and the quarterback's calling a play, and, and it's different, and, and there's just it's all discombobulated. And what happens to our witness as a church seeking to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God calls us to make disciples, but we're not doing this little detail, it's going to be difficult for us to do the wonderful, beautiful, exciting work of making disciples, of growing as disciples. And so it's hard to think about this because it's one of those details, and sometimes we don't like those little details. But it's super important. But it's also easy for me to preach this. You know why? Because we're filled with a church that I, of people that I think exemplify this passage so well. And I'm so thankful for that. And I give glory and honor to God for the joy that this church is in my life as a pastor, as a shepherd, for how well you put this into practice. But here's something that I always try to tell myself And you've heard me say it, and I'll say it again. We've never arrived at where God wants us in our walk with the Lord. We're never perfect until that day when Christ comes back and we live with Him in His presence for all eternity. Which means there's always areas of our lives that we can work on. Even if it's something that we're doing pretty well. I think, at least in my life, in my heart, God can still make improvements if I'll let him. And so as you think about this, what, what is God speaking to your heart and life today? Do you find it hard to follow someone's leadership? Is there some area of pride in your life 
where you just kind of tend to just resent leadership or maybe want to do things your own way. and Or maybe there's been a, a past difficulty, even sin, when it comes to leadership in your life. And, and you're harboring bitterness, and that's affecting your relationship with even current leaders that God has placed over you. I don't know. I don't know what God may be speaking to your heart and life today. But here's what I would ask you to do. Look at this verse and examine and say, God, I want to do this to the very best of my ability as your Holy Spirit helps me do the things that you've called me to do. If you find it difficult to obey this, this verse of Scripture, remember what we talked about last week, that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He has given you everything you need to put this verse into practice. And so we give him thanks and we give him glory and we rely on him to do the things that he's called us to do. And we get the details right and we're able to do those big and awesome, fun things to talk about, tasks that God has given us as the church. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, the gospel is a beautiful thing. And you have entrusted the church with the message of the gospel. And we are to be a beacon, a city on a hill, shining forth this good news that Jesus came and died to rescue us from our sin. Father, that's what we are to be doing as a church, to be shining forth this gospel light. Father, be sharing this gospel with people, leading them to faith in Christ. Taking your word and, and discipling people. Helping one another grow in their relationship with you. And then working to take this gospel to the uttermost parts of this world. To people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And Father, those are grand and glorious and beautiful tasks that you have given us in your kingdom. But Father, you've also given us little details here and there in your word. That if we're not careful... If we're not careful, we'll, we'll find those screws just kind of backing out. And if we don't fix them quickly, Lord, then the hinges fall off. And then we find ourselves as a church not doing what you've called us to do. And unable to do what you've called us to do because we haven't paid attention to the little details. Although this does seem like a small detail here. Just one verse in your word. Father, it is important. You gave it to us for a reason. And Father, I pray that you would help all of us learn to be humble followers. Father, not only of those people that you've placed as leaders in our lives, but ultimately, Father, that we would be humble followers of Jesus. That our humble following of those in leadership would be a reflection of our humble following of Jesus. Our glorious, kind, powerful, and gracious chief shepherd. Father, help us to put this verse into practice in our lives. By your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.